Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So I want to ask you a question to start off this episode, and that is, who is in charge of raising your kids, Connor? Oh, who is in charge? Um, That's hilarious you asked this, Brittany. I am wearing a t-shirt right now. I kid you not. It has a an outline of the United States of America, so the whole country in a little outline. And then inside of the United States of America, it has some words that say, I will not co-parent with the government. <laughs> and Connor did not know about this episode no, yet. I I, had, yeah, I, <laughs> so that's I had no what's idea. Funny. That, was, uh, that was very fortuitous. Um, yes. So who's in charge? I am in charge. I am the parent, um, uh, my wife, of course, and I together. And uh, and I don't want to co-parent with the government. I don't recognize their authority over my children. I don't think uh, others have the right to decide uh, what my children should do or think or 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 anything like that. Um, I think parents have a very, I think even God-given uh, responsibility and authority. And um, yeah, that's how I would answer that question. I think you'll probably agree with this then. So it's not it's not the job of government. It's not the job of the nosy neighbor, you know, who might hate homeschooling because I've encountered that before. I know mm-hmm. I had a friend who during an election season in Utah, her kids were helping like knock doors and give out information and, you know, pass out things. And it was during school hours and someone called the police because they were like, your kids should be in school. And then when she was like in homeschool, it still became like, well, your kids should be in school. Hey. Yeah. So, you know, and it's definitely not the loud opinionated person on Twitter. You know, I I don't have kids, but I agree with you. And yeah, there's a lot of them, though. Um, (laughs) But parents and family, I would even say some family, but that's up to you, right? Because there there are a lot of even cultures where, you know, kids are raised by not Mm -hmm. raised, but, you know, it's like aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandpas, but that's family. So I think that's definitely different than government. But that's not what a lot of people seem to think these days. And people seem to have a lot of opinions on how you should raise your kids. And what's funny about them about that is that some of them don't even have kids. So that's that always makes me laugh. (laughs) So why do we think this is? You know, is it because they think parents need help with, you know, childcare or, you know, cooking meals or having more time in the day? Or like I think, is it because they want to shape the kind of people, you know, our children are going to become and what they think? And this all kind of starts with education. And you and I have talked about propaganda a lot and how scary that is. And I mean, school is kind of the greatest propaganda machine ever. And I do think parents are starting to get a little bit angry about this because there's been a lot of push with critical race theory, which we've talked about a a lot, which is kind of teaching kids this, this woke culture idea. And we've talked about that a lot too, you know, that you can only believe in certain social issues. Like you can only have one opinion on certain social issues. And if you don't think that way, then you're a racist or you're a bad person or, you know, you're evil. Even if – I think it was in Utah, Connor, a teacher was fired because she got – somebody filmed it and she got – she was like a – she was like a science teacher too or like a math teacher. It had nothing to do with anything and told the students that their parents weren't right. Mm-hmm. That she need that they needed to like listen to her on social issues, and imagine if that hadn't been recorded. These are what teachers are doing, and a lot of times, and this has become a big issue, is they don't tell parents. And if parents ask and they say, "Can I know what's being taught in my schools?" A lot of times, you have parents and even like politicians saying, "Oh, it's not your job to know what we teach your kids. Like that's that's our job. We're in control of your kids when they're with us for eight hours a day." which is probably another problem that kids are off for eight hours a day, but that they're, you know, when they're with the teachers, 
we're in control of everything they do and and you don't need to know anything. And some states, I don't know if Florida did that with their new bill, but I know West Virginia did. You have to now publish on like a website or publicly what the curriculum is, meaning what you're be- the kids are being taught in school. Because I think, and I think you probably agree with this, parents have a right to know what is being you know taught when when they're not around. But a lot of this is because, like I said earlier, they want to control. They meaning government and teachers of the government. Let's be honest. They want to control the virtues, like the things, the morality code that you live by because they want your kids or you guys to grow up and be like little we call them carbon copies, like little copies of them that you can continue <laughs> their own activism, which is creepy if you think about it. And a lot of kids or schools, like I said, are, are trying to hide this because they don't think parents are qualified because they have that little piece of paper that says I'm allowed to be, you know, a teacher. So that's, I think well, that's Brittany, really You scary. were a teacher. You were, and I know you weren't in public school. You were Not in public school. Not public school. But but did you kind of see from any peer teachers or others that kind of tendency to maybe look down on parents or think that, the, you know, they, the teacher was more qualified and, and you know, did you, you see know, any of that yourself? Not I, I was very lucky not at the school I mm. taught at. Now, I did have teachers disagree with maybe my personal views, and I will say the school did have underlying views with, with what my views were. But because the school was so based on the Socratic method where you teach through questioning, there wasn't really time to say this is what I believe. Like it just mm-hmm. – it, it almost didn't make sense with the way we taught, which I think was really – it was kind of like a, a security mechanism, right? It made sure that you mm. couldn't really do that. So I think well, I was lucky. I remember last year when parents started speaking out at school boards because they were so concerned about a lot of these things that, that you've mentioned, Brittany. And so they – you know, parents are sitting there thinking, okay, well, my teacher's not listening. The principal didn't listen to me. So what now? So they say, okay, well, the school board, right? That's like the – the kind of governing body that oversees the government schools in that area. So parents start going to school board meetings and they're they're reading from books that their kids are having to read in class with all this like vulgar, crazy stuff in. They're talking about how like all these woke, weird teachers or what they're saying and doing, these different activities of white guilt, right, and white privilege and all these things. And so parents are out there kind of speaking out the school board meetings. And what happens? The, the United States Department of Justice, the attorney general for the whole United States, his office, they come out with this memo saying that, that, that these parents are like domestic terrorists, right? Because they're speaking out, because they're yelling at school board members. It's like, give me a break. Like where, you know, when, when Black Lives Matter was like riding in the street and burning buildings down and cars and running over people, all these things, like those aren't domestic terrorists, but caring parents who worry about, you know, government propaganda for their kids and they're upset of what's happening. That's a domestic terrorist. Seems totally backward to me, but it shows the priority of the government. And I think especially the parents listening, right? We have to really keep this in mind that I don't think like if we're co-parenting with the government by having the government help us educate our children, right? We're not on an equal playing field. They don't respect the the views of parents. You're kind of an obstacle, right? It, it's the priority of the 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 school, the school board, the the teachers, they get their way. You're just a speed bump. Um, and, and while they may give overtures to parents, in other words, they may just tell parents, oh, yeah, we value your input and, oh, we want to hear from you. At the end of the day, that's just really not true because so many of the people in government schools and, and the school boards and the United States Department of Education and all the government bureaucracy that oversees these schools, they have this mentality uh, that it takes a village to raise a child and that they are the village. 
and, and, and that you, the parent, right, need them. So for the kids listening out there, the question is, right, are we uh, to be raised by our parents or are you to be raised by this bunch of strangers <laughs> who maybe don't have the same values as you or the same goals as you? And do they really care about you or do they actually more care about themselves? Brittany, you may remember a few years ago, there was a commercial that came out on MSNBC and it featured a one of their kind of commentators or talking heads, these people who just spout their opinion for a living. Uh, her name is uh, Melissa Harris Perry, and she's a professor of political science. And so she recorded this 30 second uh, advertisement for MSNBC. And she was talking about uh, public education funding. So MSNBC, for whatever reason, was creating its own commercials to say, you know, taxpayers need to, we need to take more money from taxpayers and, and spend it on public schools. Even if, even though when you look at the government schools where they, the most are spent, I think like Washington DC is, is at or near the top of the list. You don't see better performance for the students just because the government spends way more money on educating kids that doesn't translate into improvement. Right. And so this idea that we need to invest more in education like that, that that doesn't really that may be nice for the teachers who get paid more or all the contractors and the companies who are able to extract a lot of profit out of this system. But it doesn't like if it is this system, are government schools for the kids or is it for all these other like beneficiaries, all these other people who make money along the way? So anyway, she's recording this this commercial. And, and so I'm going to read a transcript of, of what she said. It's not long. Obviously, this is a 30-second uh, commercial. She said, we've never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had a private notion of children that your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is, she continues, so part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. And then she concludes, once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the families, we start making better investments. Oof, that's scary. It's scary, right? Because all throughout history, we have examples of collectivism. Let me let me share a, um, a, another example. In economics, there's a term called the tragedy of the commons. And, and here's a silly example. If my dog poops on my front lawn, <laughs> I'm going to clean it up because I don't want dog poop on my front lawn. But then imagine that I'm out walking my dogs in, in the neighborhood park, the public park. Belongs to everyone, right? And then, you know, I let my dog off leash to go chase a ball, throw a ball, whatever. And then he poops over there. I'm going to have this little thought that comes in my mind that says, yeah, I'm not going to bother. I, I feel really comfortable sitting right here. I don't have the same incentive to take care of the park because it's not my park. And, and this is something we see across the world with, with even endangered animals, right? When it's no one's problem or when it's everyone's problem in the community, no one really does anything about it enough to save these animals. But when you have like this private uh, animal reserve and they have their own privately owned animals, these endangered animals, they take care of them. 
and they breed them and they make sure their population is growing and everything because they have an incentive to do it because it's theirs. And so I have an incentive to raise my children and to make sure they are well cared for and learning the right things and becoming well-rounded. But if all of a sudden we have this kind of community obligation, right? It's our children, our community. I think we get the tragedy of the commons. In other words, I think a lot of students, a lot of kids fall behind because no one's watching out for them. 